You are listening to the Christian Worship Center podcast. For more information about our church, please visit us at cwcstillwell.com. We hope you enjoy this message. We're going back to John chapter 11 this morning. I'm going to try to wrap this up. Literally, literally wrap it up. Amen. We, we covered last week or last time that we dealt with this, uh, verse 35. And we're going to go there. Uh, verse 35 is the shortest verse in the Bible. You want to learn a scripture? Here's your time to start. Amen. How many knows that it's a good thing to weep sometimes? We hate it. We don't like it. We don't care about it. We don't want to revisit the situation that caused us to weep. But sometimes you grow when you're weeping. Amen? And, and we as church, we like to shout because it makes us feel good, right? We like it when we're up on the mountain. But how many knows it's in the valley where the growth happens? And so sometimes God allows us to go from valley to valley, from strength to strength, from battle to battle, from victory to victory, because we need those battles in between victories. Oh, I know y'all sitting quiet this morning, golly, it's going to be a tough crowd. But, but how many knows that if you had victory all the time, you'd get spoiled? Because we don't pray when we got victory going on. Oh. When victory's happening, we don't sometimes get along with God and say, I really need you, Lord. Right? Because everything's going pretty smooth and pretty, pretty awesome. But it's in those times when we're needing him that we begin to say, God, I need you now more than ever. I need you to do what I, what I need you to help me. I need you to strengthen me. I need you to anoint me. I need you to guard me. I need you to guide me. So it's in those times when everything is not going right that we fall into the place that we realize we can't do it alone. Because as long as victory's happening, we think that we are who got it. Come on, it just, humanity is that way. We just think, well, it's all going good. I got, mm. It's wonderful today. I'm on cloud nine. The bank account is all right. The lights are still on. My job is stinks, but I got one. You, you understand what I'm saying? So, so the whole deal is is that we are we are pretty content as long as things are going our way. But when something turns sour or turns wrong or something bad begins to happen to us, we realize that we are not in control. Come on. And we turn to the one that is. 
Come on, it's biblical. All the way through the Bible, Israel, when everything was going on, they decided they were cool. Every, they just got over the Red Sea. Moses disappeared for a few days. And Aaron was all they had. And Aaron was a good speaker, but not much dedication. Come on. And so these guys began to say, okay, Mo, uh, Moses is gone. We don't have a clue what happened to him. you got to build us something that we can see. How many knows that people get in trouble with imagery? I like what the pastor said on the football field the other day is you can't take a God that's this vast and reduce him to an image or a photo or a painting because he's just too vast. You can't take omnipotence and put it in a painting. You can't, and I love that. I had got away from it all week. I was, man, man, this is awesome what God is God is so big, so vast, so holy, so righteous, and yet we want to reduce him to something we can lay hands on and see. Because we like things that we can see because what we can see, we can kind of work with. Oh, don't everybody shout at once. So this is kind of where Mary and Martha was, and we've been going and visiting their situation and how they looked and how they reacted and how the things when Jesus didn't show up and when he didn't do things their way, well, they kind of got an attitude with him, and so do we. Come on, I've got more attitudes in, in, in the past uh, few years than I have in a, in a long time with God because he didn't do things like I thought he should do them. He didn't answer when I thought that he should answer. And so while not realizing that when he does it his way, it's going to bring him glory. When he does it my way, it might bring it me some glory. And he said, my glory, I'm not going to share. Unless you are humiliating yourself before me and then when I exalt you, I'll share my glory with you. Come on, we're going to get to share his glory because we are joint heirs. He didn't come to save you so you could be beneath him. He came to save you so you could sit with him. He doesn't want you to be beneath him. He wants you to be partners with him. He wants you to reign with him. How much glory would he get if he just saved us all to be his servants? He said, I don't call y'all servants. I call you friends. And friends get to know what the secrets of the boss. Come on. They call it something different in the corporate world. But you know with Jesus, it's not like that. Because anybody that's willing to be a friend. Mm. You say, well, how do you know that, preacher? Man, I'm all over the place this morning. I had a plan. It's not going like that. But the deal is, is that when Abraham, how many knows he was called the friend of God? We may have have to retitle this one too, brother. But he always knows. Calls me in the middle of the week and said, what did you call that? <laughs> and sometimes I don't even have a clue. But anyway, when, when, when Abraham is considered the friend of God, 
Jesus told his disciples in the book of Matthew and in the book of John too, he said, I don't call you servants, I call you friends. Because a friend knows what his father is doing. So Abraham became known as the friend of God. Before a friend was even legal with God. Right? Come on. Daniel was called the beloved of God, the friend of God, even before friends were. So just speaking of those two guys in the Bible, how many knows that they got inside information to what God was about to do more than any, because the angel said, God said, I've got to do something with Sodom and Gomorrah, but I can't do anything until I talk with Abraham. Mm, when when you got a friendship going on with God, your kids will not be in trouble until God talks to you about it first. Something won't be going on in your house unless God visits you about it first because you're supposed to be a friend. And a friend loves at all times. Mm, where, where did I go with this? So how many wants to be the Friend of God. He said, I'm going to let Daniel know what's going on. Oh, he's in there in captivity. They, they've been bad. The children of Israel have been wicked. They've had to be delivered to Babylon. But I got a friend in that place. I got a friend in there. And I got to tell him what's going on so he can get ready, so he can prepare himself for what is about to happen. So when the friend goes to the lion's den, Guess what? God sends angels before him and said, y'all wait a minute. Y'all can't throw him in yet. We got to get down there. Because God, when you are a friend of God, God doesn't let you in a situation unless he goes first. Come on, the three Hebrew children were friends. They were friends of the friend. Hallelujah. <laughs> mm. Because they were Daniel's friends. And he said, no, y'all ain't putting them boys in. Because I got a covenant. I got a friend covenant with Daniel. And before y'all step in there, I got to get in that fire. I know, Nebuchadnezzar, you got a plan. But I got a plan too. And I've done showed up and I've done talked to my friend about what I intend to do. You can't do anything unless I talk to my friend. How many wants to be a friend of God? Come on, it's not about, this is why Jesus didn't just keep not showing up. To the tomb of Lazarus is because that's his friend. Mary and Martha are his friends. He said, I might be late. And I'm late on purpose because nobody's going to say, well, Mary, she just got, she's this and she's that and she loves Jesus so much. He just showed up because of her. Uh -uh. And Jesus said, I do love him, but I love my father and what he's about to do more than I love them. And I know that it's hurting them dearly. But my father says, wait. So I got to wait. 
Come on, when you're a friend of the Father, you got to know the Father's will before you make a move. And some people are just moving because it's the right thing to do. Or so somebody's pushing them to do certain things or, or, or manipulating them to do. But when you're a friend of the Father, you wait to listen to what the Father wants because he's your friend. And he lets you in on intel information. Come on, it's stuff that everybody don't know. Come on, the world doesn't have a clue what's happening right now. But guess what? We got to be friends with God. And it lets us know a year in advance that COVID is coming. We don't know what to call it. We don't know what it is. But he starts talking to friends in this house. And they start telling me, Pastor, something is coming. Something is about to happen. We're about to be separated. I saw the church divide. Come on, that's friends. That is not. So, being that we got some inside information, we have to see what God wants done. So we can't operate like other churches. Come on, I'm not calling us special. Because we're not. But yet we are. Come on, some of y'all wonder, what in the world am I doing in a place like this? Because you don't fit nowhere else. Come on. Because you're spoiled. Because you got to know God. And you got to feel his presence every service. So you just can't go to First Church of the Refrigerator and feel good about it. Come on, you got to come where the Holy Ghost is in control. Where the power of God is moving in the place. Because you done messed up and got to be friends with God. So you can't be happy just being a church member because you got to be who God called you to be. And maybe he didn't call you to sit on a pew while somebody else fulfills their dream. Come on, this is where we've... We have reduced the church to a performance. So if the performance is not good, we rate it as five stars, four stars, three and a half. Come on. Come on, why y'all got, why you thinking every app you get through using, you get through shopping at Walmart, and they say, how do you rate your visit today? Because they want to know, are they doing a good job? You know what? I want heaven's rating. I don't care about what you think. I do. I do care. Y'all know me more than that. I do care what you think. But the deal is, is I care more about what heaven thinks about what I'm doing than I think about what your opinion is. Go ahead and give your opinion. It's appreciated because sometimes it helps me know where I stand. But the deal is, is when it comes to what heaven is doing, your opinion and my opinion does not matter. What matters is the opinion of heaven. Because I want heaven here because we are a representation of heaven. And I'm done. They're going to come back to the instruments but I want to under you to understand the church this house is an embassy we are safe place 
and when it refuses to be a safe place, and then when it just becomes what I want, or what so-and-so wants, or what the leadership wants, or what somebody that pays the most money wants, then it becomes more about humanity than it becomes about where it's from. And I didn't buy this place, and you didn't either. God purchased it with his own blood through the obedience of his children. Come on. And for those, for the sake of those that are already gone, and those that are even not gone but not able to be here this morning that have been faithful, I think we deserve heaven. Amen? Come on, when you step in an embassy in a foreign country, you might be a resident of that country that embassy's for. When you drive up on that property, I don't care if you just broke the law of that country when you was off of that property, but when you drive off that, on that prophecy, property, property of the embassy, guess what? That nation's laws means nothing. They can't do one thing about you. You getting it? Are you getting it? Because this is heaven's property. Somebody comes in here all messed up. They just broke every law in the nation. When they step on this property, this is a safe zone. They become heaven's property. No, it don't mean they don't have to pay for what they did out there. They probably going to have to pay because the embassy's going to turn them over to them. But you understand what happens is the embassy says, all is forgiven. Everything you've done, because this embassy is not about this country we are on. It's about the country we're representing. And heaven is who we're representing. Let's act like heaven when we leave. Let's live like heaven when we're here. Let's live like heaven in our homes. Because your home is also a property of heaven. Somebody steps in the safety of your home. It just become your property. Come on. When you go to the embassy, they're not decorated with the decorations of that country. They're decorated with the, with the decorations of the company, country they're from. So, so this church should look like heaven, act like heaven, feel like heaven, be like heaven. When somebody enters this property, they should feel heaven. Because we are a representation of heaven. We are friends of God. How many want to be a friend? How many want to be more than just a servant? Well, I'm just happy to come in here and just sit on the pew and serve. What is that? Sing out of the songbook and, and read along in the Bible. And amen every now and then if you feel like it. In other, word, other words, we become a big bunch of ornaments in the house of God. And you know what? Ornaments are pretty, but they're no use. And the church has become a museum for saints instead of a hospital for sinners. And for the broken. And for the ruined. And for the torn apart. Let me tell you, when the torn apart comes in here, we reach out to them because that's what we do. 
We love them because that's what we do. Because except for the grace of God, we have been in that same spot. We've been that same place. But we entered the embassy of heaven and we received grace when we didn't deserve grace. And we received mercy when we didn't receive when we didn't deserve mercy. If God had looked on you like he, you look on other people, well, they're too bad. They're too messed up. Mm, I don't want none of their drama. Come on. God's saying, do you want to be my friend? There wasn't nobody had more drama than Babylon. And they had to hunt down Daniel to get him to read the writing on the wall. But he's such a friend of God that he comes in there and what's scaring everybody else. He says, oh, it's okay. I got this. It's not me, y'all. It's God that lives in me. He's told me what's going on. Joseph, a friend of God. God gets him out of the prison. He's full. I mean, his whole life is drama. And he gets pulled out of one place and put in another. And just to get himself settled. And then he gets put over here and put over there. And finally winds up in prison. It's not even his fault. But guess what? God is working the work. Causing Joseph to become his friend. And Joseph gets to the place where his brothers say, I know you're going to kill us now. He said, really? Really? I'm going to kill y'all for what you did? You, every one of y'all meant it to me for harm. But God turned it around and saved you and your families, all of Egypt, most of the world, through this one little place. God gave me wisdom and knowledge. You think I'm going to come down there and stoop to that crazy level? You're thinking? You're thinking wrong. Because I learned how to be a friend of God. How many's learning to be a friend of God? So everything everybody everybody else has got going, you don't get involved in because come on. Don't trouble yourself with everybody else's drama. Know how to give wisdom in drama. Learn to be a friend of God. And then when you get there. You're going to speak some wholeness, some power. Come on, don't speak into their drama. Speak into their future. <laughs> Ooh. Jesus went to that man at the pool, and he says, I know you got drama going on. You had it for 38 years, but I'm not speaking into your drama. Do you want to be well today? I don't want to revisit what you went through. Uh, you don't even have to tell me your story. You know, that sometimes God ignores us, and it's a good thing. There's some questions he does not answer. If you read the, I think it's the NIV, says it this way, when that man says, he says, will you be made whole? Or do you want to get well? That's what, he, that's what the NIV says. And that guy says, well, um, it's like this. I don't have anybody to help me. I've been abused my whole life. Come on, this is a guy that had, that went to went, went to counseling for something besides his pampers being too tight. You know, and that yeah, you understand he went he went to counseling for a real problem. 
he goes to the wrong place because if you read and you get in, in into the study of this pool of Bethesda, you will find that the pool of Bethesda was a real thing because Bethsaida or wherever those, it was part of the original rivers that ran from the throne of God. That's exactly, it was one of those rivers. That pool was fed off of one of them rivers. And guess who bought it? A cult. Because a cult always knows where the real comes from. You can't build a fake without having a real. So every fake is built off of the real. So remember that. Don't don't ever forget. If it's fake, there's got to be a real. Because you can't have a fake without a genuine. Oh, I just messed up some theology in this place. But you you understand what I'm saying. So Bethesda became the, the medical place of a cult. And if you look at the pictures, it's such a massive, um, I don't know, a maze, I guess is what they call it, of, of, of places. You, go, you come in and you can't, and once you get in there, you can't find your way out because it's such a maze. And they get in there, and the Bible says that the angel troubled the waters. If you'll look that word up, it's not an angel, it is a demon is a demonic angel, a satanic angel that came and troubled the waters. These serpents swam around in there and they, they were, and when they laid by that pool long enough, those serpents would actually, they felt like they actually spoke to them and told them how to be made whole. Now what I said all that to say is that Jesus went in that hell hole. He went on the Feast of Tabernacles. Oh, because... You can't leave a family member out. When tabernacles come, the whole family's got to be brought together. Jesus went down there, tabernacles, and says, the Father's got the table ready. Do you want to go? Do you want to come home? Jesus went in the maze and got that dude out and said, do you want to be made whole? I know, I don't need to know how you got here. All I need is I know you were here and I came for you only. I didn't come for anybody else in this place, but I came for you because the Father's got the table spread and you got to come home, boy. Come on, that's what friends do. Jesus went all the way down there in that hell hole and got that guy out, got him up. He said, now take up your bed and get home. Go to the celebrate. Where does he meet? Where's the next place he meets that guy? In the temple. Come on, somebody. Because he knew. He knew. He knew. Hey, he didn't know how to get out of there. He got to looking for Jesus. Where that guy to heal me? I don't know if I can get out of here. It's such a mess to get in here. I don't know. But that guy got his way out. He didn't see where Jesus was. But he said, I think I know where he's at. Because they're celebrating tabernacles right now. I'm going to the synagogue. Where did he find Jesus? Right there. Where will you find him? In the embassy of heaven. In the safe place. This morning, I don't know what you're here for. 
I don't know how you, how you came here. I don't know what kind of mess you came here to get here. But I want to tell you one thing. is God said, the table's spread and it's ready for you. I've been waiting on you. I even messed up the service this morning. Messed up the preacher's sermon so I could reach for you. Come on, that's how important you are. Well, this happens quite often at Christian Worship Center. We don't ever know what's going to happen. I came in here thinking I was going to do one thing and knowing, not knowing really what I was going to do. But you understand that he's your friend. How many wants to be his friend? I want you to stand all over this building this morning. Oh, God. I know you, every one of us has excuses of why we're in the shape we're in. Of why, of how, and when, and where, what happened to me when I was nine, what happened to me when I was 10, what happened to me when I was 12, what happened to, come on, everybody has a story. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want you to let Jesus in your story because when you look back on it, he's gonna show you every place where he guided you through the mess. He guided you through the maze. You wasn't ever alone. You just didn't see him. You didn't hear him because your heart was far from it. You was looking for an answer, not realizing that the answer was right beside you. But today, I want to show you that your God cares about where you're at. Come on, he cares. He didn't ever leave you. He's always been there. He's waiting. He was waiting. Mm. I can almost see, not realizing who this dude was that had laid at the gate for 38 years. I didn't realize why Jesus didn't heal everybody that was on the porch. I didn't know. But I didn't know it was a cult until I got to digging and I got to studying and I was like wow no wonder he went through the maze because that guy was a child of the king His, he had family that was saying God get him out of that maze bring him home bring you want to know what a celebration was happening on that beast of tabernacle when that father looks up and sees that kid he hadn't seen him for 38 years visit their table. And all of a sudden, that kid that had so much drama in his life, he could never get out of it, comes walking up the plank, comes walking in, and he says, I'm home. I'm home. I'm home. How, how'd, you, how'd you get out? I don't know this guy. This guy came. Or, I don't know, I don't know, I've never seen him before, I don't know who in the, who in the world he was. But he come, told me, he said, take up your bed and get out of here. You don't belong here. This is not your spot. Come on, somebody. You got kids that don't belong out there. I want you to send the holy angels of heaven. And you say, God, you go get them. You go bring them home, it's dinner time. 
It's time for the family to call, come together. I'm tired of waiting. We've been waiting long enough. We've had so much drama. We've had so much craziness. We've had so much rowdiness. We've had so much going on with this child. God, now you send somebody to bring them out of the maze, to bring them out of the cult, to bring them out of the place where they're bound up in. They cannot find them way their way out. They don't know where the door is. They've ran. They've looked for somebody to help them, but they can't find anybody. Send somebody, Holy Ghost, to get them out of the maze. Come on, pray with me this morning. If you're here and you're in the maze, I want to tell you, he's saying, are you going to stay here? Are you going to go? Come on, Jesus told him, I'm not going to deal with your drama. I'm going to deal with your future. I want you to take your bed, and I want you to leave. Why did he tell him, take his bed? Because he didn't want him coming back. Well, when you take your comfort place that you've been used to laying on and you roll that thing up and you take it away from that place where you're used to coming back every time every time you get discouraged every time something crazy happens in your life you go running back he's saying this morning roll your bed up because you're not coming back here you're not going to be back here anymore you're never coming back here again you're never coming back to the maze again. Somebody needs to pull pull their bed together. You, you need to take out that uh, take up that thing that's been throwing your back every time. It's been casting your back every time. Every time some crazy something happens with your kids, you go running back to that. Mm. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. But let me tell you something. He's saying to you, roll it up. Don't make no provision for it anymore. I don't want to see you back there again. I'm calling you out. And I'm calling you to become a friend. I'm calling you not to be a servant. Because when you're a servant, you can take it or leave it. Mm. Because you get paid for your services. But when you become a friend, you choose. To become a love slave to God. And he shares with you his heart. This morning he's sharing with Christian Worship Center his heart. I want you to forget the past. I want you to move forward. Come on, somebody needs to move forward this morning. If that's you, I want to I extend the opportunity for these altars are open right now. Or if you want to stay where you are and you want to pray right there, I'm asking you to make a decision. To make a choice this morning, I'm not going back. I'm removing the bed. I'm folding it up. I'm taking it out of there. I'm never going back to there again. I'm knowing going, never going back to that place. Come on, if that's you, come on, reach up to heaven and say, God, I'm moving it tonight, today. I'm moving it. I'm taking it back. I'm taking it with me. I'm never going back there. I'm headed out of this situation. I'm headed out of this problem. I'm headed out of this feeling. I'm headed out of this of this issue. I'm never returning again. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah, Lord. I thank you for your holy presence in this place right now. God, I pray if there's one person here that is lost, that God, they would find 
the healing, the strength, the empowerment that they need right in this building right now. God, I pray that you would visit them personally. Let them know that you care and that you love them. And you and you care for them and you're holding them where they are right this minute. Come on, come on, come on. These altars are open. Thank you.